Hello and welcome to this episode of the Shooting Breezes podcast. My name is Jackie. And my name is Brad. And it is the 12th of May. Uh, Hope everyone is doing well in uh, this lovely year of 2020. What a year. It's been been a big one so far. Yeah. Putting it lightly. Yes, yes. Um, And usually we start with a bit of... You know, a bit of an icebreaker question, a bit of a chit-chat, but I thought I might switch it up a little bit this week. What did you have in mind? I want to play a game. Oh, I like games. You like games? Should be good. Because I was thinking about brands recently. Like specific brands or brands in general? Just branding and marketing and how companies are adapting in, in this this year uh, in response to the crisis, mm-hmm. the coronavirus. And uh, and I saw some really interesting um, opinion pieces on um, how brands are pivoting um, to adapt to their customer base. And it got me thinking about um, brand, is it mottos? Yeah, yeah, slogans. Slogans. Yes. Brand slogans. Um. Are and you gonna, I realized you're put me to the test. I am going to put you to the test. I, I will smash this test. You will. I don't know. <laughs> See, some false bravado. You, yeah, exactly. You, you think you've got strong game mm. straight off the bat, but reading through some of these mottos for very famous brands, I couldn't pick them. Okay. Well, remember how you didn't think I would be good at the soda challenge, and I got like eleven out of twelve sodas on a blind test. That's right. For for those who have no idea what Brad is talking about, about. Maybe six years ago, it's seven years ago, ago yeah. I had this bet with Brad that he couldn't taste the like he if he was blindfolded he wouldn't be able to taste the difference between different um, sodas. And I knew um, I would smash that. I was so because confident. I thought it was just sugar. No, like I thought it was just sugar, and so then you distinct, would know. So distinct. The only, the only one that got me, and there was like Pepsi. There was like Pepsi Max. There was Coke. I, I tried. Coke I Zero. was really tricky. I did like Coke Zero, Coke. Pepsi, Matt. You're yeah, right. Like was, vanilla, yeah, Coke. I like I had those. like five different Cokes. The one that threw me is because I don't like, I don't drink it much. It was Mountain Dew. Mountain I should have Dew. known that it was Mountain Dew because I didn't like it. Yeah. For those who don't know, if you've ever tasted Mountain Dew blindfolded, it just tastes, tastes like pure sugar. Yeah, it was. Anyway, okay, so let's, let's go. get going. I'm going to start with a few easy ones okay. to get you kind of warmed yep, up. Yep. Just do it. Nike. Boom. I don't know Boom. I'm loving it. Uh, Hungry Jacks. Ooh. Oh, KFC. KFC. Ooh. Oh, I'm loving it. Oh, God. Well, this was meant to be an easy one. McDonald's. Yes. Uh, I've got to take my time. All right. Just, I've learned the lesson. Yeah, I've got to think about it. You need to think it. about it. Take a pause. Take yep. a beat. Okay. For those playing along, KFC is finger licking good. Right. Okay. That better not come um, up later in the quiz. No, no, no. I don't have that one. Taste the rainbow. Skittles. Nice. Okay, let's go a little bit, a little bit of step up. Okay, yeah, I they think. were pretty easy. I got one wrong, but that's all right. That was just a that was a warm up round, right? It didn't Impossible count. is nothing. Oh, I don't. Know, I'm not familiar with that one. Impossible is nothing. Is it like IBM or something? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually Adidas. Impossible is nothing. Impossible oh, is nothing. Okay, all right. I'm not as good as I thought. Um, and it's only going to get worse than oh, from here. Okay. Um. So if you don't get another one from now on, just don't feel bad about it. Think differently. Uh, that is Apple. Well done. Yes. I didn't know that one, actually. So that was, yeah. Be what's next. 
Okay, I'm going to break this down. I'm, I have no idea, but who would use a slogan like "Be what's next"? And what think kind about of what how... kind of company would you want to be? Where you want to be telling the people that are going to be buying your products that you want to be what's next? I'm thinking fashion. I'm thinking like okay, I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> shaking heads nod. here. <laughs> silent nod from across the okay, room. Uh, it's it's in a theme with the last one we just did, which be was what's Apple. next? Uh, Google. No, close. Microsoft. Ah. See, they just don't use I, it. No. Some of them, it's like a hidden slogan that yeah. they don't use in their advertising. Are you sure? Like, where did you get these from? Like the, the 80s internet. or something? <laughs> um, let's do a couple more because this is fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it, even though I'm getting dominated. Live in your world, play in ours. Live in your world, play in ours. Um, There's a bit of a play on words. Live in your world. A play. On play words. in play ours. Is it in Xbox ours. or Nintendo or something? <laughs> Only you would be like, word association, play, play, <laughs> Xbox. Well, I thought you were giving me a hint. So It I was, is. I was... It's PlayStation. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 I'm an Xbox guy. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> yep. um, okay. I thought this one was interesting. All for freedom, freedom for all. Braveheart. That's actually Harley Davidson. All for freedom, freedom, freedom for all. all. Okay. Yep. Um, a couple more. Yep. This one, I was just like, I was confused by it. Mm -hmm. Is it in you? Question mark. Is it? Like, how did they spell in you? I-N-U? I-N space Y-O-U? Question mark. Is, is it, it in you? Is it? Is it in you? Is it in you? I don't know. That's Gatorade. Is it in you? I guess it's because, because is like, it in you, as in like you're drinking Gatorade, and is, is it in you? Do you have the fire? Do you have the passion? Right. The, That's what I'm you're guessing. You're totally right. These guys do not use these slogans. Okay, last one. This one is a very famous brand. Okay. But I just was like, no, I was so I, quizzical I, about I it. I don't think they use these slogans much. Open happiness. See, that should have been McDonald's ones because you have a Happy Meal and you open it. Mm, that's uh, true. Open true. happiness. Uh, Ikea. That's Coca-Cola. Like open a can of Coca Cola, maybe? No, no. These guys aren't using the slogans <laughs> at all. At all. That's and, what I'm I'm, saying. and I'm angry about it. Only the people that are probably like working in the company probably know these. It's like um, so last one because okay. it's probably my favorite right. that I that I found. Democracy dies in darkness. Democracy dies in dark. Is it like a country's slogan? <laughs> America. No, it's a it's um Democracy it's an American dies. newspaper, the Washington oh, Post. Right, okay. Well, what a good one. I'm not a reader, I'm not an avid reader. Yeah. Um anyway, I thought they were interesting because no, that's good. We should we should incorporate more uh what do you call it, trivia into trivia. the podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, um I just thought it was interesting because some of them are just so clear. Mm. But some of them they just seem to be so obscure. How about this? I'm yeah. thinking about the podcast now, not about the slogans because I feel wronged. Um, we do, uh, we incorporate trivia into it and we have like a competition. So you would have won that one because I clearly got beaten. And next time I will come with a trivia game okay. and test you. And okay. if you dominate the trivia game, then you win and you get okay. another point. And then we do points. Yeah. So okay, currently like you're it. on one. Excellent. I'm going to get smashed at this, but that's okay. Do you have a question for I me do. this week? I do. I do have a question. If you were watching, like, okay, you take all the kids' movies out there and you choose a character, mm. any character, who do you mm -hmm. think would be the worst to have in your friendship group? 
kids' movies. Like all the kids' movies. Could be animated, could be real. Has to come from like a movie that's aimed at children. And you know what I mean? Like your friendship group, I'm talking about someone that you probably have to hang out with a lot. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like them a lot, but you actually have to, you know, be with them a lot. And so, you know, every kind of friendship group has, I mean, maybe not every friendship group, but a lot of friendship groups have someone that you don't, you know, really enjoy hanging out with. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm sure it's been made into a movie. These have been made into many movies, but I've been reading a lot of kind of fairy tales with our daughter. Okay. And I've just been realizing how much these time-honored characters are just total assholes, like oh, Goldilocks. Goldilocks. Goldilocks is such a douchebag. She like breaks into their house. She's yes. a thief. She eats and then their she, porridge. She breaks all their stuff. The chair, the just, baby bear's chair. Like, and then she sleeps in their bed what uninvited. Ki- what kind of thief like you know has a nap mid mid thievery? It's <laughs> she ate too much porridge. She ate too much porridge. So and. I don't know if the lesson of the story is don't go into houses that you don't own. I mean, it should be. Particularly if there's photos of, like, bears on the wall. Like that, <laughs> that, that's my sort of thinking. Yeah. You probably want to get out of there. But I distinctly recall as a child, if I can think back that far, that I identified with Goldilocks and I thought the bears were in the wrong. Well, that's because, because you, they scared you're her not in a the bear end. naturally. Yeah. So, you know, you'd probably identify with the human in the scenario. I guess so. But it's wrong. It's totally wrong. She's, the other one. Um, it's a Goldilocks. Okay. Goldilocks. Uh, what is it? Jack from Jack in the Beanstalk. What a douchebag. Right. He goes up and he basically steals a golden hen or a golden egg or something. So he steals the giant's gold. He steals, yes. He just puts them in his pocket and then he steals the hen and he steals the harp and and then somehow the lesson is the giant is trying to chase up his his own property. He's trying to get his property back. He's trying to get his property back and then his his fate is to be, to fall to the ground when Jack chops the beans Jack, down. Jack essentially kills him. He, he goes kills. in, he steals the guy's gold. It's theft and then And then murder. And he, should then be, murder. he should be serving time. He really like, should with be. With no parole. But you know what? It's not even that that gets me the most about Jack. You know what gets me the most about Jack? Doesn't he hide in an oven at one point? <laughs> I mean that's that's not a good like that's, that's not a, a good, terrible strategy. Uh, like why would you go to the to, oven to read to kids because no. uh, you know when we hide play hide and spit hide and seek then yeah, you hope the oven's not then on. kids might think about that. But no, it's not even that. What it's is it? the fact that he was trusted with the with his mum's last cow, <laughs> the family's last cow. They're poor, they're hungry, and he's mm. entrusted with the cow to get some money for food. And what does he do? And he exchanges it for, for magic, magic beans. beans. <laughs> and he's rewarded. Not only that, no, he's, he's rewarded by those magic beans actually giving him, you know, the beanstalk into a to steal the gold. golden wonderland. So he's an idiot, but he's a lucky idiot. So, like, he gets lucky a number of times where a like, the magic beans actually turn out to be magic. Like, that is, mm. you know... Very improbable. improbable. Mm. Uh, and then he kills a bloody giant by chopping down a beanstalk. And he gets away with not only murder, but with all the gold he stole. Mm-hmm. What kind mm-hmm. of universe is that? What, I mean, what lessons are they supposed to be teaching our children? Um, I think this was, they're probably all the way back when it's like, the lesson was don't eat poor giant milk or something. Or something. Yeah, I, don't okay. know. <laughs> well, I don't know what they were trying to, trying to teach our children. But I think really those kinds of people... I would be the worst kinds of friends, you know, the ones that steal your gold, the mm. ones that 
eat your porridge. You know Jack's going to be a bit of a douchebag, a dumb douchebag. And, yeah. go- and Goldilocks isn't going to think about you. It's always no, going to be thinking about she's herself. she's just going to be waltzing into your house. She's, you know she, what she is? She's one of those friends that comes into your house and opens your fridge yeah, to see no, what's in there. She's exactly like that person. <laughs> you know what always confused me about Goldilocks mm. and that story? Like who, like if you're cooking porridge for the family, right? Mm-hmm. Like who cooks three separate temperatures of porridge? Like you cook one batch of porridge and then you disperse that amongst the family. And if you like yours colder, mm-hmm. well, you eat yours when it gets a bit cold. But you don't go, okay, well, first of all, you don't cook porridge and then go, let's just go out for a walk and you know, yeah. leave it here. Yeah. But like why are these porridges in three different temperature settings? It's a good point. Mm. It's a good point. Maybe by pouring them out into different sized bowls, the oh, that, there's the more thermal, surface. There's, the there's more surface area to yeah. get cooled down. The, yeah, there's like some exchange hey, of thermal properties. All I don't know. Scientific on Here us. Here I am. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't right, think so they thought that through. Is, is it which one? Which one would be the worst to have in your friendship group? Goldilocks or Jack? Um, I think Jack, just because he just plain would steal your stuff. Yeah, yeah, he and totally that's not, would. That's not cool. You wouldn't want him in, in your house at all. No, no. A friend that steals is not really no, a friend not at all. particularly when you might die as well because he's just, you know, a thieving murderer. Good good choice. Solid choice, actually. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> news. Yay, news. Uh, Jackie, what's yes. been in the papers this week? Well, I have found something non-corona related. Woohoo! It's my turn. Um, and... It, well, I mean, it's come to my attention because of Corona, I guess. But every story is like that. Um, because due to coronavirus, a lot of sport has stopped. And some are looking at getting started again. Some are looking at getting started again, especially here in Australia. Mm. But around the world, soccer's off, NRL's off. Mm. NFL, NBA. Basketball, like, you know. You know. The Olympics, big question mark on the Olympics I, this year. The Olympics is definitely not happening, right? Yeah, you're calling it right now. I thought I thought Japan had already. So called I it. thought Japan had said we're we're gonna it's not gonna happen on those dates. Right, but, but I uh, think there was still hope that it would happen that they would find dates later. Okay, in the year. okay, didn't know that. But big question mark if mm. that's ever gonna happen. But one competitive sport has continued on, um, unabated. Okay. Because this competitive sport, and it's quite a serious competitive sport, can be done online. And I'm talking about, do you know? Esports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, esports can happen. Yes. But I'm not talking about esports. I'm talking about chess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know I know of chess. You know of chess. <laughs> I know of chess. And I know like a lot of people play online chess and like even like the best chess players play a bit of online chess, right? Right. So competitions, they've moved online without any hiccups, I guess, because two competitors sitting down either over a board or over a, internet a virtual connected, board, it's the uh, same internet thing, connection, right? not an issue. And what's been happening in the chess world mm. is that there is I've been missing out on my chess news. So I've, there's been a bit of a there's been a bit of a a tussle, <gasps> a competition, a a matchup between the reigning champ, Magnus Carlsen. You yeah. know Magnus Yeah, Carson, no, I right? think I've watched a doco on him once yeah, or twice. Yeah, he's a Norwegian. He's probably in his late 20s now, but he was a boy wonder. Mm, very World clever. chess yeah. grandmaster. He's got a photographic memory, I think. That's right, he does, which yeah. would be useful in chess, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So it's between him and an Iranian team 
An Iranian team. So one guy versus a team. No, no, no. Teen. Oh, teen. Teenager. 16 years old. Oh, snap. New 16 boy 16 years old. Yes. He's Iranian. His name is Ali Reza Farolja. Hopefully I got that right. Um, and he recently beat Carlson uh, in a cup, which is what chess people do. They yeah, enter they in cups. Play for cups, just like the regular sports people. Um, and then, so I think that was in uh, April mm. that he shocked, he shocked the chess world by beating Carlson. Um, and then Carlson subsequently, uh, uh, beat him at the next, the one that's just finished now okay. in May. So there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a tussle between this 16 year old Iranian chess prodigy mm. and Carlson, the reigning champ. But it was interesting to me because... This Iranian, he is the second youngest player to reach the 2,700 rating. So I'm not sure if you know about chess grandmasters and and how they're rated, but every grandmaster is kind of rated according to their games. Okay. So every time they win a game, they go up in the ratings, and every time they lose a game, they go down in the Mm -hmm. ratings. And so he became a grandmaster at hmm I think it is is it I don't think it's just grandmasters I think everyone that's competitive at chess kind of has that rank it's like yeah, world, world right. tennis right yeah yeah so he was the son, so he was the second youngest to get to that 27 that famed 2700 rating yeah um and he also uh was I think the second youngest to become a grandmaster okay so he's he's a pretty good young chess player he's good okay he's good and he's young and it just made me think of Everything that you haven't accomplished in life. Yes, <laughs> Every time a I, I hear of like some teenager or some very young person being extremely successful, I'm like, well, damn, <laughs> you know, here's me just going along. Yeah. But it's just, it made me think because as you know, I am a terrible chess player. I cannot play chess very well at all. I'm pretty sure the first time we ever played chess, maybe the only time we've ever played chess, you beat me in like the, the in minimal three... in the minimal amount of like things you could ever beat someone in like so uh, there's a play where you can beat someone in three yeah, moves and I totally and fell for it that is the only thing I know in chess <laughs> so if you move your pawn exactly as I want you to I will beat you in three moves if you move another pawn or that pawn but just a different way yeah. I'm done okay. I have nothing left I've right. got three moves well, and that's it teach me that because I've yeah, got three was, moves and that's I was, it Brad. I thought you were joking when you said like checkmate I'm like what yeah mm, it's pretty awesome there, there it was but I'm, you know, uh, apart from those three moves, uh, which I learned from my brother, actually. Um, shout out to Michael. Yeah, shout out to Michael, the bro. That's all I've got. I, I really can't. I can't think ahead in moves. I can't. I focus too much on my own game and not what on other mm. what the other person is doing. And it just made me think, if you, if, if a 16-year-old is, is, is really threatening the world champ, and, and Carlson, to his credit, said, no, this, this this boy's a threat to me. Like mm. he recognized it. Um, uh, then it's not experience, right? It can't be experience. It can't be that the more you play, the better you get, the more contestants you have, yeah. the more well-rounded your game is. It's It's got to be pure think, nah, computational I, power in the brain. Y- yes and no. I think, look, and here's coming from someone that, you know, knows a little bit about chess, mm, but not, okay, not, not much. I I would say it's a bit of both. Like Carlson, he is a world um, champion because 
he has played so much chess and he has memorized tens of thousands of possible outcomes. So um, do you think this Arrhenia must have been coached from an early age? But then I think as well that, you know, just because you have that kind of experience and you can sort of, that's why you're very good is because you can, you, you just got so many sort of patterns of chess already in your head. But then like brilliance also, like and I'm sure Carlson is brilliant as well, but like someone that, you know, might not have, you know, as much experience can still win if they're like extremely clever and, you know, thinking of new innovative ways to play chess, mm. which I think people are still doing, like, like creating new ways to beat people. Right. So you think it's the innovation in the game that is getting these young oh. bucks Possibly. I, I think like, you know, if this young guy obviously hasn't played not, as much chess as Carson, but, you know, is thinking outside the box, the chess box and the chess board, thinking <laughs> the outside chess the chess board, board and um, just surprising yeah, him yeah, exactly. with things playing, he's never uh, seen before. a new game, maybe. It's just fascinating to me. And it made me think of the old, um, the old uh, man versus computer chess race. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've heard about this or read much into it, but, you know, from the fifties or sixties, there was this this ongoing race between the programmers and the grandmasters of whether a computer would be able to I, beat. I do know of a it, man. and and from what I understand, at the time, people, everyone was like, "No, like it, it would right. never happen. There's yeah. no way a computer could ever beat like the chess grandmaster." Yeah, exactly. And because people pointed to all these impossibilities, like how could a how could a program get so sophisticated that they could go through that they could choose which path to go through when you're thinking about all these decisions trees mm. in in programming but then the 90s the like the 80s the 90s came on and it was it wasn't even the programming of a computer to think like a grandmaster it was just raw computational power mm. because the computer would be was quicker and quicker in just going through every single decision tree and every single decision that could be made on each piece yep. and then on just the stats be able to decide on which was the better course. Mm. And then it all kind of accumulated in the late nineties when, uh, the computer, I think it's called deep blue. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Deep thought, deep blue, deep mm. blue beat the reigning, uh, the reigning champion, mm. chess grandmaster champion. Um, and then I think there was all this talk about, well, it's done now. The computer is one. Will chess fall? Like, will chess, will people just stop playing chess? Yeah. But people have decided that even though computers can now beat people, you know, comfortably, mm. that people still want to play one-on-one -on -one and, and have that kind of man-on-man -man competition or man-on-woman. Yeah, okay. And they use it as almost like a training. So all the grandmasters use... Um, like computers to train against. I, th I think some of the grandmasters have still managed to beat computers at some stages, like <clears throat> all the time. Like no, up no, until not now, all, like maybe not every competition. Yeah, I, th I thought like recently, like I thought Carlson really? was able to beat a computer. I think I, I remember seeing a headline somewhere in the last year or two that someone beat a computer again. Right. I might be wrong. You you look at me like I'm I, wrong. I mean, maybe. Maybe they <laughs> trick the computer. I just think that the way that computers, how computers are so quick now and so advanced, it would be surprising to me if uh, if a human could beat a computer yeah, I think chess. it happened. Maybe. Oh. That's interesting. We'll try and find that. But, but also what I know in the matter is that while, yes, in the 90s, like 
was it the nineties? Like the computer first beat the, yes. the chess person. Yeah. Um, more recent like methods of building computers and specifically machine learning mm-hmm. has um, kind of created a new computer that like plays chess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the difference between um, the first one and the new one that's machine learning is the first one took a while for the computer to. I guess, go through all the possible chess games that existed. Yes. And, yeah. you know, that took, a, I don't know, an amount of computing and mm-hmm. it took time. Whereas the machine learning one that was, um, I don't know, when machine learning first came about, but uh, when that was created, it took about a day for it to beat a chess master. Wow. Because uh, it just... and, and It just learnt. Yeah, it just learnt from playing itself, like just as fast as it could. And it played like, I don't know, a million games in the space of like 24 hours and then it was unstoppable. No wonder people are afraid of AI because that's <laughs> um, that's a little bit freaky, isn't it? Very freaky. Yeah, um, but last tidbit on um, on chess and uh, and computers. The the grandmaster that got beaten in the late nineties. He was uh, his name is Gary Kaparov. Mm. Kaparov. I'm probably, I'm probably getting that. Is he Russian? I think he's Ukrainian. Okay. He he could have just you know taken the loss and just thought that computers should be banned from chess or whatever. <laughs> he could have taken that road, but he ended up becoming a, like a, a thought leader on AI. Oh, cool. Um, and he has developed, uh, alongside a, a few other people, um, a sport called advanced chess, which is human and computer playing together. So there's two human opponents on a board mm. against each other, and the humans can use computers to help them make their um, move decisions. So is it kind of like, you know, you go, you click the hint button and then exactly. the, the chess goes the... It's like, so oh, what do you think? Uh, let's give me a hint. Oh, I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. Yeah, exactly. So it's really just two computers <laughs> playing against each other. Yeah. But with a person on a mouse just, yeah, you know, that's, being the buffer. Yeah, that's funny. And I think, and, t- and so a lot of people say that that combination, human and computer, is actually the best. So that combination can beat a human by itself and that combination can beat a computer by itself. Wow. Who would have thought? I would go. have thought the computer would be always better. But hey, there's some human nature in there something, for you. There's something that computers have not been able to emulate yet. Okay. So we're, yet. we're safe <laughs> for yet. now. All right. Watch this space. Uh, Brad, what's your news this week? Uh, so mine is corona related. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes to kind of my favorite thing in the news right now um, about COVID-19 is you know, any kind of discussion around the positive impacts that COVID-19 might You're have on, on society, um, mainly because I just hate working. I hate going into work <laughs> and any kind of news that says that might not be the future, you know, right. is, is, you know, tickles my fancy. Mm-hmm. So what I've kind of saw today was that, um, okay, so in America, uh, you know, the government's kind of easing back social distancing restrictions mm-hmm. um, and giving kind of timelines of when people can go. Um, back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that differs from state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're also sort of seeing today and, you know, I guess this week is that uh, a lot of companies uh, in Silicon Valley and kind of, you know, the big tech firms like Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, uh, I've kind of like not even paying attention to what the government's saying and have told their workforces that we won't be going back to the office until, you know, 2021. Uh, wow. So, you know, take the rest of this year to work from home. Um, and you know, we'll reassess next year. And like, we're still in May, like that's a long time. That's a long time. And so you've got to think that for them to make that decision, they must have seen either 
the same or increased productivity? Yeah, from so their so that's exactly right. They've, um, for what I've read, uh, basically said we haven't seen a drop in productivity. Mm. Um, and our workers are currently happier and it just makes sense that, you know, why risk going back to work right. when we can accomplish the same thing? And it's not just the the big tech firms. What I, what I can understand is like a lot of kind of like white collar firms where people are, you know, the majority of the workforce can potentially work remotely if you can set it up that way, mm. um, uh, you know, following in their footsteps and doing the same sort of thing. Um, and so, look, I, I, I find that interesting. And I know from what I've been able to figure out today is it, it's one of those divisive ones. Mm -hmm. I think by and large, most people kind of are happy with the thought of potentially being able to work from home. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'll say now that obviously this is just for, you know, those office kind of jobs, not, you know, yeah, all those every, industries that... every industry can do it. Yeah, right. particularly like, you know, factory, manufacturing industries and everything where you have to be there in person um, won't be as positively impacted, but mm -hmm. who knows? Um, so yeah, like a, a lot of people are, are for this. They, they've kind of gotten this experience of working from home. They know that they can, you know, they're not spending an hour to two hours going back and forth the to commute. work in the commute. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people that are worried about their carbon footprint know that they're not spending that money on you know, gasoline and, 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 you know, uh, creating more carbon emissions. Parents are spending more time with their kids. Flexibility. I think that's spending more time one, with their right? dogs. Mm. Um, more time for fitness and exercise. So a lot of people have seen a lot of the, um, I guess, positives. Uh, and the other side of this thing, you know, a lot of people are saying, look, you know, and this is kind of dependent because a lot of schools haven't gone back yet. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of kids are at home all day and a lot of people find it hard to get any work done. They, they find their productivity has gotten like way worse at home. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of extroverts kind of need that social interaction, right? right. Um, they're feeling really isolated at home. Right. Um, so like, it, it's going both ways. Um, <clears throat> but what's really interesting is that when we talk about productivity, um, there's been a massive surge in the popularity of uh, kind of like surveillance software that um, employers can can use mm -hmm. uh, to install on their um, employees that are working from home right. um, and kind of monitor them and, and yeah. track them throughout the day. So track what they're looking at, track what they're clicking on, what Ex they're working yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. From the, the, one, the, the, the biggest one kind of works that it kind of randomizes a photo of your desktop every kind of few minutes. Um, and it kind of <laughs> it prints this. Snapchat, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it prints this kind of screen and your employer can kind of click through and see the various um, things that you've been working on. Yeah. Um, and that's all done by random. Um, and then it computes, the, it computes the time that you spend in every application. So if you spend you know, two hours in Word or if you spend 20 minutes in Facebook Messenger mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of like looks at that and it analyzes all that data and then it gives you a score at the end of each day of your productivity oh, really? for that day. And it's like, you know, John was 34% productive today. Wow. Um, and and I, I guess a lot of people are saying that, well... That's yeah, really black and white, It's, it's very black yeah. and white. It doesn't... It, it, it works for, like, if you're a pure data entry, like you do yeah. data entry and you are with those spreadsheets all day. But if you're someone that, like, has to have a lot of phone calls mm -hmm. um, or has to do a lot of research and, you know, is reading news articles or something mm -hmm. like that, it's not necessarily... a you know, that sort of work isn't coming into your productivity. Mm. Um, and so like while like employees, employers that are using this software, some of them are saying it's great, like without it, um, we, we notice a big drop in productivity and with it, you know, that productivity is so going up. So it's a up. deterrent factor that exactly. people know they're being watched so and, they're and, more and, likely to 
do the right thing. And that's what people say that that have the software installed. They're saying, well, with this, like, I'm definitely being like, I'm I'm, I'm worried to even check like anything else because that will be a screenshot potentially, mm. and I'm worried of that getting. Um, like my boss having a look at that, but like this satisfaction now from working from home has significantly declined because, yeah. you know, they aren't, I guess, enjoying themselves that much. They're, they're more worried. Um, and the end kind of result is people are just kind of gaming the system. Yeah. Where, you'd be playing games on your mobile yeah, while you're on a Word doc. Just exactly. Or you've got two everything. laptops going, right. um, you know, you go for a coffee and you leave your Word document open. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of ways around it. And I don't think any kind of AI in that sort of surveillance software has gotten good enough to detect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Like you're seeing like immediately, like it's only been a few months, but you know, you're getting these surge in software, you're getting people that are already, you know, dissatisfied with, mm. you know, that potential set, uh, surveillance software that's on them. And, you know, it's more satisfied from that they're working from home now, but less satisfied because, you know, they've been more monitored. Yeah. Um, and one of the other criticisms is, um, like the personal sort of um, data that is then being um, like given to your boss. Like if you quickly check your bank account sort yeah. of thing on that computer, right. then they might get access to that. Um, and and so, it, yeah, um, the there's a lot of people that are kind of, I guess, worried about what you mm-hmm. know this might look like in the future, yep. um, whether it's going to be like a trend that we're going to see. Mm. Um, I'm personally hoping that we don't. I think that if we, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts? I think that if we... So I think the the issue, my thought is the issue is is bringing that surveillance into your work home, which doubles as your personal, in, in, uh, into your work office, actually mm. your home office, which doubles as your personal space. Because I think that if people really thought about it, um, they agree to um, uh, employee surveillance, you know, to a high degree, actually. Mm. And I know that um, once employees know that they're being surveilled electronically, it actually, it across the board, it, it usually um, it decreases their, satis- their satisfaction with, yeah. uh, with their work. Um, but if you think about it, once you agree to work in an office space, you're agreeing to some degree of physical surveillance because if you imagine you have your work pass, right, to get into the building. Mm. And so that's all logged, right? You're, you're going into the building. They know what time you've got into the building. They know when you leave. You, they know what areas it's all you're going to. It's trackable, yeah. Right. Um, and most companies will electronically surveil you um, uh, to some degree. But mm. I think uh, companies can do it ethically. So you need to tell your employees that you're doing it, first of all, and that you, and what, and for what purposes you are doing it. Because mm. I think a lot of employees might understand that, look, we track, um, we track you electronically because we're concerned, uh, you know, because we're, we might use it, for example, that if our employees are uh, spending too much time on, you know, Slack or messenger teams or however they, um, they communicate with each other, then maybe we need to dial down what kind what, um, you know, what communication we're expecting from employees mm. because, it, you know, the kind balance is off. More from an analytical yeah, sort of exactly. thing rather than looking to like, punish like, anyone. And, or... and, and that's probably not going to be making people happy that they're, you know, a slave to the chat box or mm. something like that. Um, also, there's a clear, I think there's a clear use case for electronic surveillance for the insider threat. Like if somebody is, um, you know, using uh, company record databases to extract information to sell them, you know, for mm. something nefarious like that, then it helps to have those logs there so that you can, those flags will be raised mm. if that kind of um, employee behavior is happening. Um, so I think it can be done ethically. 
the question is, can you do it ethically in someone in a an employee's home? Yeah, and I, I don't think they've worked that out yet. No, I, think, I don't I think, think they they're have. still trying to figure that they out. They probably are still trying to figure it and, out. And I hate the idea of this kind of uh, productivity score. Because I think it's, I think we're a long way off, and I, I, I don't I know think the that, I think that's of, way too black and white. Being, yeah, yeah, ever be like resembling anywhere near of what, like how productive you really were. Right. Um, and I know it's hard, but like I think, like your work should always just be kind of like you shouldn't like if you can work in four hours and get what someone else can get done in eight hours, mm -hmm. but you can get it done in four. Like that should matter, right? You should yeah. only have to work those four hours. Yeah. Like I think society needs to move to a model where. People attract on their output, not on the time yeah. that they spend trying to get there. And how could they possibly um, measure inspiration that you might get from, you know, you know that water cooler kind of effect? Like you talk to your colleagues through a pro a problem or an issue that you're experiencing, and suddenly you realize the way forward. Like, mm. how do you measure that kind of interaction, which is actually quite important yep. um, for companies' growth and efficiency and all those kinds of metrics? But how do you measure it? Yeah, it's really it's hard. Very hard, especially with a like a productivity score. That that would that would, I would be insulted. I would I'd, I it would shit me. <laughs> so I th I think you know a lot of I think I guess the overall trend is is really positive, and I think we should mm. stick with that. Mm -hmm. You know, big companies and these are the companies that have always kind of led the way. Um, are questioning what you know the in the twenty first century what a, a working week should look like, and mm -hmm. you know why should we stick to a model that was built in the industrial revolution, right? right? Like, you know, it's all an antiquated. We should move on. Mm, mm. Um, so, you know, that's all positive. And I think, you know, we'll go through a lot of teething issues before yeah. we get there. And these are some of those. And we'll see more of that as, you know, hopefully the years come by and we try and figure this out. It's exciting. I, th I think if I'm guessing now, it's going to end up some somewhere like in a, a mixed hybrid model yeah. uh, where, you know, you might be expected to go into the office two or three days a week, but you're Perfect. also given the freedom to work from home. So I like the choice. Happy. I think I think uh, on either side of the spectrum, like you're forced to be there nine to five at your desk or you have to be at home. The choice is what's going to make everyone the most happy. I mm. think, you know, yep. like you have the ability and the power to design your work week according to your needs uh, and what you need in terms of flexibility and timings. And, and if you get the job done, hey, that's awesome. Like that's that, it. That's all that matters. That is it. All right, employers out there, that's the kind of model that you should be aiming at. And if you want inspiration, come and talk to Brad and Jack. <laughs> Word. All right. It's my turn this week. It is your turn. Um, and my blue sky thinking topic today is international travel. <laughs> which hasn't been happening an awful lot. Exactly, right. which is why I bring it up. And it happens in the blue skies, mostly. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, blue sky thinking in so many ways. Um, and I thought it would be something um, good for us to talk about, Brad, because uh, we have done international travel solo as a family with a toddler, with a baby. We've done it shoestring. You know, you were backpacking, you know, when you were – 20 I was going to Central America when I was 19 or whatever and we've also done it uh you know business class uh as just through the perks, work sort of thing the perks yeah. of work yep. um and traveled a lot internationally for our work because we work um in foreign policy exactly so and so with international travel just completely bottoming out mm. right uh, over the last three four months 
What do you envisage? Do you envisage us going back to the old normal of international travel? It's interesting from the Australian perspective because Australians kind of pride themselves on being widely traveled. I think it's I think it's a I think it's because we're such an isolated country and far away that we kind of pride ourselves on all getting out. Mm. So, um if there's if there's a study with percentage of um your nation with a passport, I think Australia would be pretty high. I think it would be high. Uh, it'd be interesting. I think um is is we're also so remote, which while a lot of Australians would like to travel internationally and, and travel more, it's very expensive, it is and, expensive. And, and it's a big like, you know, most other countries can, you know, travel, particularly if you're in Europe to another country mm. and, and maybe even mm-hmm. come back in the same day and, and get yes. something done. Whereas any kind of trip that we do generally you get a you're gonna take two days off it just from travel time. So right. then you know, don't even compute the 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 lag, the jet lag. Um, so I, like, I think if we were, uh, in closer to Europe, like that would even be higher. So I, I think there's probably a lot of European countries that, if that would beat us. If, yeah, yeah. Just, just by counting border crossings. Yeah, sure. But if you, if you're counting travel distance, the, the distance that every <laughs> person travels, I think we would kill it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think you're right there actually. Um, so, but it doesn't kind of take away from the fact that Australians love to travel, love to travel internationally. Um, and, um, you know, my social feeds are full of people talking about all their travel that they've had to cancel this year and who knows when it will pick up again. Um, and we also know a lot of people that are overseas just because of our job and, you know, are thinking about when are they going to have the chance to get back home mm. as well. It's also um, uncertain at the moment. It's very uncertain. Um, so when you think ahead to, you know, social distancing restrictions are starting to lift borders are starting to um, become open again our commercial airlines for the ones that Don't haven't completely <laughs> completely um, gone under they're starting to advertise tickets do you think Australians or um, you know citizens in general will start traveling like we have in the past I th- look, I think long term, yeah. I, I I think that unless Corona COVID stays a massive health concern for the years to come, like I see it returning to normal. I, you know, that travel bug isn't going to leave. I think the only thing that would would get in the way uh, would be is yeah, if if the, there was health concerns and mm-hmm. if um, certain countries like if, if Australia continued in its current trajectory and and managed to stay relatively. Um, free of COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that just naturally people will be hesitant to travel to countries where it's, you know, within the population, the chances of getting the virus are, are, are a lot higher. Uh, so I think that is the only thing that's going to really impact it for, for, mm. for the long term. I hope you're right, actually, because what is starting to worry me a little bit, and it's just kind of an undercurrent of of a cloud above my head, mm. an undercurrent of a cloud, <laughs> um, is that the whole response to coronavirus, there hasn't really been a global response in terms of a global cooperated, uh, global cooperation yeah. um, response. It's become very much countries looking inward in terms of what they're facing right now, maybe looking outward to kind of 
see, see what, what other everyone people else doing, is doing, but, but then making its own decisions. Exactly. Yeah. But the response has very much been within its own borders and, and it has to be because the borders are closed, right? Mm. And so I wonder and would be slightly concerned if out of this there becomes more of a thought, uh, more of a kind of a turn towards, I guess, nationalistic um just looking within your own borders and less of an appetite to to maybe think about other countries, visit I, other countries. I think I think definitely um, if you're talking at like the state level, I think that one of the the biggest outcomes that we're going to see from COVID nineteen is that most countries where you know the last thirty years um, have been looking to run on a more globalization level mm. where they build networks and and supply chains with other countries and look to prosper with other countries like um, and look for mutually beneficial solutions mm-hmm. um, I think that that I think what covid 19 is showing that for a, that model does not work if one of those supply chains chain like one part of that chain breaks mm-hmm. um, and suddenly you're relying on whether it's oil or food or, or whatever it is, um, and you know you can't get it anymore. Absolutely. So what I think that's going to turn into is a lot of countries are going to start looking about how they can, you know, create domestic supply lines um, and kind of take a more isolationist uh, view. Um, yeah. So I agree. I think we're going to have to look at self-sufficiency in the supply chain and and look more in terms of. Your, our own sovereignty in terms of we can't rely on other countries to provide us X, mm. whatever it is, because if this because if this situation, and it's, it really is unprecedented in that sense, happens again, and it, and a lot of people saying it will, then we can't rely on them, mm. right? So we have to we have to we have to produce it within ourselves. It has to come from within. <laughs> and so I wondered if that will seep over into people's thoughts and how they think about it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to watch it as, as it happens. With- I, I still don't think it will I think that you know particularly like when you look at Australia like we're like like Australia and New Zealand are very specific in its culture and the 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 reason why so many Australians like to travel is because there's such significant differences in culture out there mm. and they want to experience that and that kind of bug for that kind of that desire isn't going to go away I don't think yeah I hope so I hope you're right yeah um yeah I just think about what if it changes what it means to be a global citizen because of all those things all those reasons you just um, outlined in terms of supply chain and response then maybe what people want to do as global citizens will change they might want to stay home I don't know it'll be interesting and I guess one of these things time will tell and we'll we'll see what happens but yeah, hopefully there are some airlines still operating that you know (laughs) and can let us see I do feel a touch sorry for for airlines, um, I mean, they've got to be one of the worst. Did you see? Um, I think American Airlines, uh, like a still flying with like very full. I think actually a lot of airlines are very full f- flights at the moment. Domestic flights. Yeah. Mm. I mean, anyway, it's to each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Um, any other thoughts on international travel? What? Where? Think, if you so, if it opened up tomorrow, where would you want to go? <laughs> what's on your li- what's hot first on your I list? I still haven't gone to Italy. I I really oh. want to go to Italy. <laughs> I mean, interesting choice. Maybe consi- maybe not tomorrow. One day. It's, oh, sorry, it was just my go-to. The, um, that was something uh, I really want yeah, to travel. Yeah, well, maybe to. they'll need it. You know what? I like that because mm. by the time they open up, they'll they'll need an injection of tourism. Yep. Cash. Well, everyone go to Italy when when it opens up. How about uh-huh. you? Where? Um. Hmm. 
Good question. Well, I think Japan was on our list. Oh, yeah, um, that's, yeah, definitely up there. I mean, there was a few, going back to the sporting, there was a few sporting events that recently happened Maybe we can get some cheap Japan. Olympic tickets. Yeah. <laughs> People are not going to go. Um, one, one thing that I did, uh, that I, you, you start hearing about um, COVID-19 passports, people that have been um, affected oh, so like by they've, COVID. They've, and, they've become and, immune. Yes. They've got I immunity. Mean, even though I don't think scientists have discovered mm-hmm. that, you know, people are immune from getting yeah, it again. I, I think the second again. strain means that that's not actually true right now. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about maybe they should implement these, you know, like a, you get a, it's like a, a visa, a visa that I've had, know, corona. I've had Corona, I should be able to travel. Um, and that's going to actually incentivize people going out there and trying to catch it because it they want dangerous, to travel. It seems dangerous, right? Right. It's, yeah. It's kind of like, it makes me think of like those chicken pox parties in the sixties where all the mums would get the kids to together. spit into each other's mouth. No, Sorry, I don't was, know if they spin into each no, other. No, well, that's what happened but on South have Park. Like, <laughs> they'd have little play dates where one uh, like, and they'd oh, okay. bring chicken pox kids in, with others so that the others would get it. And, in in and South Park, they do the same thing, but they the parents make a game where they have to spit, the kids have to spit into each other's mouth. <laughs> well, that's effective. <laughs> it was, it was very, everyone got chicken pox. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, cool. I, so I, I don't, I can't see that happening. No. I honestly can't. Yeah, no, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's all up for grabs in, in Blue Sky Thinking and in 2020 right now, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah. Well, it's been lovely. Yeah, it was another good one. I'll, um, I like how you just stamp it at yeah. the end of each show. Good I, podcast. I don't think I've ever said it's a bad happy, one yet. Po- happy with this one. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty Let's pretty send average. it out in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you all, Next hear week. you all, talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.